Hello and welcome to Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Chuggy. Uh, Rob, uh, coming to you. <laughs> I haven't been called Chuggy in years. I know. It brings <laughs> back bad memories, doesn't it? I used to drink a lot. Um, hey, Chuggy, chug this. Would you want it against me if, if in uh, discreet times, I call I don't know what discreet times would be or what it means, but if I called you Chuggy in just not all the time, but uh, occasionally. Yeah, I probably would uh, not hear it. I'm just checking. It only took 10 seconds to lose our new viewers for the first time saying, I've had enough of this shit. <laughs> they can't even get through the first line. No, wait. It gets better. <laughs> so we're coming to you as of always from the not yet raided by the police, but pretty soon Winchester building uh, in the downtown metropolis area. This week, unlike last week, last week was a shitty week. Last week was a... You remember last week? Was it a shit show? Oh, <laughs> the show was brilliant. It was the album. It was The album that oh, we yeah, were doing yeah, 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 was yeah. trying to shit on us. <laughs> and we put the album in its place. I was just loving that first side. <laughs> <laughs> you know how... And, if you didn't listen to the last week's show, uh, we'll just tell you sides three and four are pristine. So <laughs> Nobody's touched the second part of that album ever. The second yeah. disc is unremoved from the back. <laughs> Near mint. This week, <laughs> we are bringing you the second episode in our look at soundtrack albums of the 1970s with a review. Yes, a review. Of the 1977 Tangerine Dream soundtrack. For the William Friedkin movie, Sorcerer. I haven't seen it, but I might you know have what? it on disc. I'm glad you said you didn't see it. You know why? Why? Because I saw advertisements for this in, like, the paper in, like, 77. Oh, really? And because, as I said last week, my sister-in-law used to take me to movies, right? And then You'd I would... see the name, and you're like, okay, I'm, like, uh, 10 years old. I love this. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. Anyways... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I saw this, and of course, uh, Sorcerer has become, as I've seen it, I saw it years later, is, is a classic movie. Uh, but I thought, well, this is from William Friedkin. I even thought that at the time. Actually, <laughs> it was just weird because I'm like 11. But uh, I said, oh, it's, it's the guy who directed The Exorcist. So I thought, uh, oh, it's Sorcerer. Okay. Like I thought it was going to be like that. Yeah. And you know what? So did he, everybody else. <laughs> because years and years and years later, I saw the movie on DVD. Uh, oh, just actually a couple of years later, because I've seen the movie many times. It's one of my favorite movies. Did it take place in medieval times, as it did and in my imagination? Not. See, everybody, <laughs> the reason the, that the movie kind of bombed, even though it was a great movie, was people thought it was about possession and sorcery. Oh, yeah, they were judging him on the... The Exorcist. And it wasn't about that at all. And uh, and the other reason why it bombed was it opened the same weekend as a certain movie yeah. that became one of the biggest movies in the history of films. Star Wars. I got a pretty good guess on that. Yeah. Star so... Wars. If it were 76, it would be Jaws. <laughs> no, 75, it would be Jaws. 75? 76, it would have been... Betty lost her handbag. <laughs> Love that movie. <laughs> Trying to think. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember any blockbusters in 76. So. We're going to look that later. up. We're going to get our producer, Uptown Mike, to look uh, and the find out what, these, what the big movies, big blockbusters no, the of biggest, 76. The biggest movie of 76. <laughs> That's the only one I'm interested in. Okay. Now, we promise that the Sorcerer soundtrack will not be as bad as the Grease soundtrack that we did yeah, last week. without listening to it, we promise that. <laughs> well, how could it be? <laughs> really? Very few albums are as bad as the Grease soundtrack in the history of music. So That was just a combination of all the wrong elements. So we're not even saying that we like the album or not today. But we can definitely, yeah, you know what, good point. I could have told you right away that the album is going to be better than the Grease soundtrack. I haven't even, I haven't even heard it. Actually, I have heard this album i haven't heard this many one, times but before, i was thinking over the week where i heard of these guys and it was from two other movies which i'll mention later yes if you would because we haven't started reviewing the album yet yeah. thank you very much this is part Jumping of my ahead. spiel 
Oh, is this your spiel? Or is it my spiel? Well, my spiel doesn't come until later in the show. You so don't I should. have a spiel. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do, you do have a spiel. It's, have a spiel it comes tonight? when I make my point. We've lost a lot of new viewers <laughs> <laughs> or listeners today. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you're. I do my spiel, and then I say, oh, Rob, what do you think? And you go. Sometimes I re-spiel. Sometimes I less so. So, uh, I think, oh, yeah, before we start the festivities today, Rob, you wanted to say something about work you said last week? Yeah, I wanted to uh, just mention that the show is starting to interfere with work. You said you wanted to say something about an update about what happened to work, and now you're just going like, I don't know, I don't remember. Because I know when you say something like, oh, I don't know, work is Oh, no, I remember exactly. It's starting to interfere with work. Oh, really? I'm starting to enjoy the show. I'm starting to be happy on Wednesdays and Thursdays, uh, the day after. And I'm showing up at work like that. And I'm saying good morning to uh, my fellow workers. And all I get, of course, is stony silence, as usual. No one does that. Well, and they're wondering why so, hey, they think you're so happy at work that, that maybe they should give you more responsibility. Oh, maybe, yes, exactly, man. <laughs> more responsibilities. I'm more afraid to get my ass kicked. What about, speaking of ass, what about uh, you and the boss's son? Uh, you know, so far, uh, I haven't been to the office. I'm not going back voluntarily. Uh, you're scared. You see, that's what yeah, we call. Yeah, scared. We when call I'm there, I'll be, I'll be uncomfortable. And I don't like that because <laughs> you should, you should say, you know what? You're a human being. You know what? And I love you. I don't love you in a sexual way, but I love you just as being the person you are. And I'm going to give you a hug. bright living energy contained within that being. <laughs> you are beautiful. So do that. <laughs> next, we want to hear next week uh, how that went. So it will go poorly. Yeah, I wrote this last night because uh, this part that's coming up. Because, and I'm going to say it, even though I was going to take it out, because I feel much better today. Uh, this week, I'm battling the continuing fight against this stomach flu. <laughs> Which I've had for like eight weeks now, and I swear to God, it's ridiculous. This is a gooder. You ate something. And, oh, we're coming to that. We're coming to that. So, it what this thing does, it, like, it bothers me for a week. Like, it gets me sick for a week. And then all of a sudden, it goes away for like two weeks. And then it, it comes back for a week. And then it goes it goes away for two weeks. Like, this has vacation. happened for two months now. I wish I could work for one week and go on vacation for two well, this is my work. <laughs> this show is my work. Sorry, I'm envying envy the virus. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, you're envying the virus. So, nice. so now my doctor says, and this is true, he says that it's actually for a stomach infection, it's not unnormal, unnormal. It's a, it, it happens quite a lot that this, that this type of thing would happen. That doesn't uh, make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, for some reason, even though it should comfort me, it doesn't. Uh, this isn't unusual, and it won't kill you. But it will make your existing time here really unpleasant. <laughs> exactly, because it really <laughs> is unpleasant. Like, it's not like having a fever. Like, I feel really crappy for about five days. And then you think that's all over, and then it comes back, you know. And it's... See, doctor, that brings me to my second question. Is there something you can do about it? <laughs> which goes back to your question about eating something so he's he said that it could be something that i'm eating that is disturbing that's me. aggravating it though. yes uh, okay. which is actually actually could be i don't know what it is yet at first i thought it was rice cakes and then i remembered <laughs> i don't eat that shit <laughs> yeah so, you've you've had exposure to rice cakes <laughs> I've, I've smelled them i've smelled urine and on that toast. means there's oh, particles of it in the air oh boy we've you know, we've got to think about, like, people who are tuning in for the first time because they're gone now. Like, I know they left in the first minute, but by now, not only are they gone, Sorry, but I they keep... are telling their friends never to listen to the show. I keep switching into enjoyable discussion mode. No, no, that's both of us. That's both of us. That's not your fault. We're both doing it. So, uh, anyways, we'll, I'll get this figured out. I think it is something I'm eating, or maybe not. Maybe it is what he says, and it, 
and it just has to run its course. But I am feeling much better today, actually, much better today. Um, not this afternoon, I wasn't, <laughs> but I had a little bit of a sleep before we started, and I feel much better. Uh, you remember Rob? You complained. Of, I remember Rob. He was a good guy. You know, he was. A, he was. Until I got him on the show. <laughs> you complained of it hurting when you peed for like two months. And uh, yeah, that finally, was, yeah. That was my burning question. <laughs> why, why does it hurt when I pee? Yeah, and finally you got that shot from the doctor and everything was fine. And uh, Yeah, someone named Sisyphus. <laughs> Dr. Sisyphus. You know what's always funny, Rob? Sexually transmitted disease jokes. <laughs> they Always the life of the party. Never go. They you, know, never. you know who loves them? Marines. <laughs> <laughs> you got to live it. It's so true. That's why they live They it. even got a name for the gal who gives them to you. They call her Susie Rottencrotch. That's not true. That's it's, no, it's from the training videos in the 60s. That's terrible. Well, that's what they used to do. Really? Don't, I, just, don't just say that. Uh, I learned it from an old uh, 70s training video. Is that true? Because I actually, I didn't. I don't think that went over the line. But I think some of our listeners probably went, "Ooh, like that's not." Nice. Uh, maybe it was just the drill sergeant talking. I'm thinking about your sisters. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Susie, Susie Rottenbrot. <laughs> I'm thinking of Leanne Rottenbrot. <laughs> that's terrible. I apologize to Rob's sisters you, in advance, only because I know they will kill me. You are invited to next Christmas dinner. <laughs> that's you know and rob knows that's the kind of stuff that i would do because i'm like woody woodpecker i'm a troublemaker <laughs> yeah. i'm i'm bringing you to christmas dinner once i decide i'm done with them <laughs> once i decided they have no further use in rob will never do it until he decides he's not talking to his family okay again. i'm through with these people and it's time for them to be through with me because <laughs> rob knows that if I say that I'm going to do something just to be a shit disturber, I will do it. <laughs> and currently, I don't need the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and the only one who pays is Rob. So It's a funny world. <laughs> hey, you know what it's time for, Rob? It's time for um, uh, viewer email. No. <laughs> it was a trick question. We're having fun today. Everybody else is getting aggravated on the, in the old podcast uh, kingdom. But uh, we're having fun today. No, I tricked you. It's time for... Part two, well, it's not part two. It's the second second edition of yesterday's papers. Who reads yesterday's papers? Not me. That's right. That's how the song goes. <laughs> I don't uh, even read today's um, papers. Uh, now, if you remember the first time we did yesterday's papers, I it turned out to be a bit of a disaster because uh, we kind of went off the rails a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> and started talking about something completely different. <laughs> And uh, but this time, but this time, oh my God! This time we are going to stay on those rails like we are, like we are the biggest train ever made. And and all we're saying is, what's that train? What's that train say? It goes, I'm gonna get up, dear man. I'm gonna. Oh, I'm move. chugging up that hill. Something about yeah, I think I can. I think I, we think we can. Oh, yeah, we think we can. So we're gonna do it today. We're gonna. Yeah, we're, we're the gonna little, stay on course. We're the little engine that could. Oh, I thought, I thought, sorry, I had a, <laughs> I had a joke, and then I had, I had the sense in my You reeled it in. Yes. I set it up perfectly. I had it. It was such a good setup, but then I said, you know what? That's not the joke we can say on it. So. <laughs> pronoun it's pronounced Indian. <laughs> <laughs> now, the last time we left, we're having a good time. It's a good show today. Not anybody else probably thinks that right now, but for us, it's a great show today. Well, hopefully they at least heard the uh, what it's about. That'll keep them here. Well, I don't think they got that much. <laughs> <laughs> now, the last time we left off, I was talking about the first serious rock magazine, which is Crawdaddy, which was started by 17-year-old student Paul Williams in 1966. And we're kind of going to go ahead a little bit because I did talk about that. And there were a couple of magazines that kind of started around uh, 60 early 67 but the, the, and the problem with crawdaddy as great a magazine it was and it and it revolutionized kind of like writing in general because all magazine articles or newspaper articles were short you know get like they are today uh very condensed you know very short uh and the crawdaddy had huge as as lengthy articles that it got the point that they wanted to get across, however long it took. 
which was unheard of. It was not something that was usually done. an editor steps in and says, "We can't afford this much ink and paper." Yeah, it's expensive. Yep. Uh, and an, uh, but there were there were problems, and and one of the problems with Crawdaddy was that being it was the late '60s, they didn't care too much about or didn't even want advertising because that was making a commercial man. And that, uh, and they didn't care too much about graphics. Uh, so, as great as Crawdaddy was, it was sometimes a little bit too long and boring, which was some criticisms against it. And sounds like PBS, like PBS. <laughs> and it was uh, not aesthetically pleasing. So, it it covered a lot of bases as a first magazine, but it didn't didn't cover the basis to make it successful. And Crawdaddy struggled. Paul Williams left in 19, 1969 to join a commune, of all things. He's a great writer. He's unfortunately passed away but uh, just a few years ago. But he's written some great books on rock and roll and non-rock and roll books. He became a great writer. But he stepped away, and Crawdaddy was in publication and not in publication. They, they, just, they just didn't know what kind of magazine they wanted to be. And they finally folded at the end of 1978, and they never really uh, fulfilled the promise that they had. But then Rolling Stone came, and Rolling Stone really took took a lot of what uh, Crawdaddy did and refined it. And they, Jan Wenner had a very good type of uh, idea which is, let's not just talk about rock and roll. And they said that, in, the, in fact, Jan Wenner said that in the very first thing about what is this magazine about, the very first issue. And it's about rock and roll, and it's about everything that encompasses rock and roll, which is movies and good books and people who are rebelling against this and culture. And um, you know what? No matter how many detractors there are and and bad periods that Rolling Stone has, which you're going to have after 50 years plus, uh, they pretty much kept to that motive of not standing still and changing with the times and not being uh, situated in one particular area. Like, there are magazines now, Rob, and you, I don't know if you know this. Rob doesn't know much. No, I don't know. <laughs> Rob doesn't know much. I'm not interested in what the humans do. But there are magazines that are just... Uh, they just focus on the 70s, like we do. <laughs> We're not yeah. a magazine. But magazines, I mean, it, it, it's different. And there are magazines that just focus on music from the 70s. And there are there are magazines which just focus on the music and the movies from the magazine. I'm not going to name the magazines. I have nothing against them. They're actually really good. But that's their focus. And they do quite well. They're not going to ever really be huge mainstream magazines. They're mostly English, by the way. Not in English, but in England. <laughs> and they do really well. And I actually read them a lot. And they're very, they're very good magazines, but they focus on a certain era or they focus on a certain time. Rolling Stone focuses on everything. And that's very hard. And they get so many shots. But it's really tough to it's like what we do as far as we should <laughs> in a practical sense just focus on one or two types of music in the 70s can't and we just can't do it no. we just can't do it because the 70s if we're going to talk about and call us the, the show we'd... sounds from the 70s yeah. we have to talk about all forms of music in the 70s and yeah it's it's sometimes would be silly and hard to do uh, some people would think and uh, sometimes i think it because it's very difficult to get an audience because you have to try to appeal to people who don't like some things like maybe r and b and then you and then we lose our audience for for that show so we're we're like pbs no sometimes we're, kinda, we're really entertaining and we're kind of like we're kind of like rolling stone magazine in that we're trying to cover all types of music at uh, 
We're just not current. We're just not current. <laughs> <laughs> but we're trying we're trying to like I said before when I talked about this on the show, we're trying to throw our net huge. And yes, it's a big task, and yes, we lose listeners that way. But Rolling Stone exists for fifty plus years for that reason, is that when you you you're unbounded. You can do news stories. You can do like we do. Like we can do stories about the seventies and news, stories about the seventies and TV and all that. Oh yeah, yeah, all the cultural stuff. We are like family. Rolling Stone, is what we are. But except we're concentrated on the seventies. We do actually. We do exactly the same as Rolling Stone said they would. But we kind of do it in a podcast. If we did it about, you know, music all over. I mean, first of all, that would be impossible because we it's can't hard talk, to do enough of the 70s. We can't, we can't talk about this thing that happened in the 70s. That's right out. No, there's no limits. No, there's no limits. But I just mean we can't talk about, we don't, we can't go through 60 years of rock and roll like, like yeah. Rolling Stone has or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you have to start from 67 like they did and do it. And then maybe we could kind of do that. But And there's a whole bunch of decades I don't want to listen to. And yeah, <laughs> even even Rolling Stone in the eighties, uh, they, they they didn't dedicate. They put their they put their music stuff right at the back of the page, and and they dedicated themselves to other things in the eighties because they didn't think that much was going on then, and they were kind of right. They were kind of right. And these are decisions that when you're a magazine, you have to change things around. Like you have to go with the times, and that's what Rolling Stone does good. Sometimes they fail because they anticipate the times and they're wrong. But that's what happens. If you're around for 50 years, you're going to make mistakes. But they realized that the 80s was not a very powerful year for music. So they put it on the back burner for a little while until it came back in the 90s, you know, with grunge and everything. So Rolling Stone got the whole ball rolling as far as what a magazine to be commercial and to be hip with the kids at the time, like late 60s through the 70s, the first 10 years of Rolling Stone were really golden. It was almost like, and it has been said, it was a miracle every two they weeks. They had a lot to work with then, too. They had a <laughs> lot to work with, and that's a very good point. The times, they were a-changing. The times were changing The times have changed every less week. in the past a while. And they had the benefit of actually not having the social media that we have today. So it's almost like where we get our news and or our our news yeah, as far true. as music there wasn't is much competing with them. Right. Who wants to sit down with a folded uh, bunch of papers and uh, flip through them and manually read stuff that uh, where are you going to put that when you're done? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just stack up. And they really didn't. I mean, there was many, many magazines uh, in the 19s, rock magazines in the 70s. And it seemed that each each one of them came from different places. San Francisco and, and the West Coast had Rolling Stone. Uh, New York had Crawdaddy. Boston had Fusion Magazine, which was a terrible magazine. Um, and it just seemed like everybody kind of had their own region and tried. Detroit had Cream Magazine. Now, Cream Magazine. I don't ever know. Cream Magazine was the biggest challenger of Rolling Stone because they smartly took the position of being the anti-Rolling Stone, <laughs> which was they did everything they felt that Rolling Stone didn't do. So they were going after the audience that was pissed off at Rolling Stone for covering the news and covering movies and, and whatever. They were mostly a purely rock and roll magazine. And they were obnoxious and they were rude, and they were brilliant. <laughs> and they had the best writers, and, of course, they had Lester Bangs. And Lester Bangs, as far as I'm concerned, is probably the best writer that that we've seen, in North America at least, in the last 50 or so years. And uh, when you got Lester Bangs writing for you, you're, you're pretty much set. I mean, Rolling Stone had Lester Bangs too, but Jan Wenner wouldn't wouldn't let him do anything except write record reviews <laughs> because they already had one crazy motherfucker called Hunter Thompson. And he said, we don't need two. <laughs> this guy has too many potential lawsuits as it is. Exactly. So they didn't need two Hunter Thompson. So he says, no, 
I'm not even putting Lester Bangs on the mast. And in fact, Lester Bangs got fired. Lester Bangs got fired in 1973 from Rolling Stone from writing record reviews because he got fired. And I'm trying to point it, put it the way Jan Wenner put it. He got fired for being disrespectful to bands, mainly because he really put down uh, the latest Canned Heat album. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> I miss you, Lester. <laughs> he put down the latest. Like when they did reviews, you got to remember people, when they did reviews in the late 60s and, and definitely through the whole 70s, they could be brutal. <laughs> like the reviewers were stars in their in their own right because of their utmost honesty. And sometimes the honesty was like, this person should be shot for making this kind of music. You don't hear stuff like that anymore. You don't hear, like, all yeah, reviews are it's, so... It's a frightening new world. It is a frightening, almost 1984-like world for, for for reviews, because it's almost like, I didn't like this record, for but everything. you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of potential in it. Like, there's just no, there's almost no utter exuberance which they would have for a, an well, album they, that they felt so strongly nowadays about. i mean if you want to mention like a, a company or a brand name you can't on the air because they can hire a team of lawyers and, and wipe you out so you have to second guess everything you say nowadays you didn't back then no yeah i mean and that's the thing with uh rolling stone too and with other magazines is that um becoming dependent as rolling stone became with advertisers at a certain point you do become dependent on advertisers you realize that you cut your story short rolling stone had longs had long articles too they they were even more renowned for having the long articles that than crawdaddy because their long articles were better written and they would even have interviews that that would last over two issues they would have part one and part two of an interview uh you know the john lennon one was the most famous one it went over two issues that's how long it was and but then there, we need more time for we need more space for products we need more space so the, the articles so became shorter and it wasn't just rolling stone everybody did that all of a sudden <clears throat> this golden heyday of having it was a reader's a fan's dream yes and a writer's dream i guess too to have long articles to talk about what you wanted to have to have four pages just dedicated to, to one album to one album and i've read you know i've read rolling you know most of the rolling stone issues and yeah there are there are some that had two or three reviews of one album <laughs> <laughs> and those days are long gone now now almost even in rolling stone you know you get even if they like the album, it gets like three paragraphs. And but that's kind of the you know I don't blame them because that's kind of the way that people perceive music nowadays. It's very it's not that important as it was before, where you wanted to find out every nook and cranny about the album before you bought it. People don't even buy albums nowadays. No, so what, what do they, what do the they radio, care? You download that song, add it to your collection, yeah. and uh, try and remember the name of the artist. Exactly. It it. Again, it's changing with the times. It's like, hey, if people don't want to hear about an album in length, then we're not going to give it to them. You know, it's just like, why give them something that they're not going to read? Then, if it's a long, if it's a long piece, geez, I'm not going to read it. Everybody's attention span with watching uh, long movies and watching and and reading long articles flip, are, flip, are flip, over flip, with. Flip, flip, flip. Exactly. Flip, I don't press think it's a button, back. you flip. It can't go back because you can never. It's 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 going to get it's fast right now. It may get faster. I don't know how fast it gets, <laughs> but it's never going to go back to slow, right? It's just never never going to. So those days are gone, and Rolling Stone was really good at at it, and still is at changing with the times, and sometimes make mistakes, but sometimes most of the time being correct, and a lot of. Like there, I just hear so many people bitch about Rolling Stone, about oh it, it it covers this and it covers a lot of it today is that oh it it covers like pop music. Well, I'm sorry, but pop music is what 
is popular now. And (laughs) Rolling Stone said in 1967, we're going to cover what's happening now. Why would they do a story on Black Sabbath when Black Sabbath doesn't even exist? And their motto is to stay current with the time. So they may not like covering an, an Ariana Grande or whatever, but that's what they have to do because their 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 magazine reflects on the time that we are living now doesn't mean that they like doing it <laughs> especially but that's is is their job that's what their magazine is about and it may come around again i bet you they sure as hell didn't like reporting in the late 80s about hair bands <laughs> and shit but then grunge came around and they were saying thank god like now we can report about and yes the magazine picked up mightily in the 90s and did great writing again. It's all a cycle. Maybe I, I really hope rock and roll comes back again, as strong as it has, at least since grunge was around. Yeah. I don't know if it will, but I hope it does. And then, you know, if Rolling Stone is still around, they'll, 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 stu- they'll do good. But I guess my point is, is, and with this whole segment that we do with yesterday's papers, is we're going to bring out, like, articles that I've written or articles that are famous that have exceptional writing to them because some of the best articles are, are in the last 50 years in magazines have been articles about rock and roll or even record reviews have been amazingly written. And uh, we're going to branch on that a little bit, branch out on that a little bit more in the future, but uh and we accomplished we accomplished what we wanted to do, Rob, which was talk about this and not go okay, off the rails. Yeah. We did get a to the bit. finish of it. Get to the finish. We did a little bit, but that's good because uh, I actually got more than I was thinking about talking about today. But still finished off the thing, which was the intent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is the intent. Of Victory. This that's it. Show's over. Let's go for beer. <laughs> So now I think we're gonna. I know I talk about. I, I'm gonna make this a regular segment. It's almost gonna okay. be a segment about where I talk about the time. <laughs> and time is 6:45. I think. I think we're gonna be. I think we're gonna come in around the time that I want to come in today. <laughs> Listen, if I had, if I too had early to tell our producer uptown Mike actually. Doing his job, yeah. And the visual signals from yeah, in the booth. Then I wouldn't worry about. It, I wouldn't mention it. But uh, what's the word I'm looking for that Uptown Mike is moron? Uh, I was going to say negligent. <laughs> Actually, that's a good word. <laughs> Mike is negligent in his duties. <laughs> that's okay? that's the nice way of saying it. So the guys who are just supposed to concentrate on putting on the best show also mm. have to watch the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at the beginning of the show, I got to press a button. And at the end of the show, I got to press a button. <laughs> and Mike, well, he reads his men's magazine. What happens if I uh, hurt my button pressing finger? No show. No show, as the man said. <laughs> no show. Show has been canceled. So today's no. album, Rob, is... In part two of our soundtracks is, of course, since I said it earlier, if this comes as a surprise to you people, then obviously you weren't listening <laughs> about a half an hour ago because it's the source work. I was, ask me. Oh, yeah, okay. Soundtrack from 1977 <clears throat> by Tangerine Dream. Uh, Tangerine Dream was uh, was a German band. You knew that, Rob, right? I had my suspicions. Um, the, the... I have to wait till we talk about the album before I can. I couldn't find any guitars or drums throughout it. <laughs> They're actually. So, no, I only know of Tangerine Dream from uh, movie soundtracks. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, Tangerine Dream was a, as they called it, a, a kraut rock band. Rockin'. Which we're gonna, which like we're gonna talk work. about a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which we're going to talk about a lot more in 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 the future, but it's glad we touch on it now because kraut rock is just basically music made from Germany, usually in the progressive rock vein. But it 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 kind of maybe stretched into other. You no, know, it was usually in the progressive rock type of of, of vein. The electronic or, progressive. The electronic rock, progressive yeah. rock, and uh, it was a great form of music, actually. Great uh, and. I don't think it's as well heard of, 
like people have heard of kraut rock but i don't think they've actually really heard like Kraftwerk or tangerine dream or many other bands that i actually really like and we're going to get into in much more depth in future episodes but uh they were one of the first like they they formed in 1967 they're all keyboards yeah basically just three guys playing that's keyboards. that's the freaky thing that the i see who plays the drums and then i find out they're three the keyboard players yeah it's all keyboards uh except edgar edgar Froese, who uh started the band in 1967 does play the occasional uh guitar i heard guitar on the very final track on this album i couldn't hear it anywhere else no there was i think i think it was in the middle i didn't uh there was one song actually that had very visible guitar i think it was the last song too also had guitar the last song is actually the song played during the the, the end credits it's and there is one scene. song where every two bars i heard a cymbal crash well and i not... think it was an actual real cymbal no it wasn't <laughs> I, I know because I I'm looked. I looked. I looked, and it's all it's all synthesizers no except except for the occasional guitar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, and Tangerine Dream, very popular in Germany and very popular everywhere. You know, it's surprising. Only in the seventies would you get a band that had no vocals and played all keyboards. Um, <laughs> be such a popular act in the i guess you'd call it well in the touring circuit but even in the album you know selling albums you know like only in the 70s would would people be have such open minds to not just make it uh where two or three people know about it, like they do nowadays because there's so many bands nowadays and so many artists that if you're an artist you could have like, oh man i got like 200 fans and that's great like Tangerine Dream, if it, they're around, well, they are around today, but not, you know, I mean, starting up today would probably have a following, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like the following they had in the seventies and eighties. It was, it was very much uh, a little more than a cult. It was, uh, it was uh, quite a substantial, and all German rock fans really did have a big, big following that they probably wouldn't have if they started in another decade. But the other thing is uh, the, the synthesizer sounds they were making were new back then. Yes. They wouldn't be new today. You'd have to have them invent some new instrument with... Uh... Well, I think uh, once you got keyboards, you can get any sounds. Now, that's a very interesting uh, point that you uh, brought up because the sound that, that bands like um, Tangerine Dream, but also Giorgio Moroder, who did the midnight express soundtrack and wrote uh, which i was thinking of also doing but i, I decided to review sorcerer instead i was a co-wrote call me with blondie didn't he yes oh yeah and uh he did a lot of work with donna summer i when i first i'm getting off track i knew i would get off track <laughs> but when i first heard on the radio uh donna summer i feel love about 1977 the same year and with Giorgio Moroder producing with the and I thought Groovy, man. that is incredible because it brings attention. I felt that there was attention to the music. Like I never heard nothing like that before. And then I heard it like a couple years later when I got to see Midnight Express. And I tell you that you don't hear it much nowadays, unfortunately. It seems to have been the the soundtrack work that was used in the late 70s uh like for sorcerer with tangerine dream and then they did thief thief with james Conn and uh, oh, jim belushi brilliant you know what that's where they made a very very good movie into a classic movie just yeah. because of the music that's yeah if you want a really good movie all the elements have to be right yes you have to have everyone really good at what they do and that's where the music <clears throat> in that movie which was expertly placed expertly written expertly done and like i said michael mann put it in exactly michael the right mann, places that's the guy they work who with. did miami vice later on and did very much uh a tangerine dream kind of soundtrack for miami vice you know every week yeah um what he did with what they did with he did and tangerine dream did with thief was have music playing almost continually throughout the movie sometimes real but it would just brought so much tension <laughs> like they really knew how to do it like they did it really good on sorcerer they did but it was their first one 
and it it they didn't they didn't really get into it until thief thief and from then on they've done many soundtracks since then but thief was the one where holy smokes this music actually boosts this movie up an extra star just for the music alone <laughs> combined with the visuals the the music Good that story they, in that one i like the story great movie thief it's actually i think a classic <clears throat> movie I think it would be, like I said, though, I think it's a very good movie, but I think the music makes it a classic movie, the combination of both. Yeah. Uh, I also think that Sorcerer is, to me, an excellent movie because of the visuals, and it's a great story, but also because of the music. I know you've never seen Sorcerer, but it's, it's, uh, it's a great movie. I can't even describe it because it's... I gotta find out if I have it on the. Uh, it's a very uh, moody drama and the box. And I think one of the things that is so enticing about the type of music that Tangerine Dream and Giorgio Moroder would come up with for the soundtracks, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, Rob, but this is just my opinion. Is first they got the heartbeat type sound, so you kind of got right. Oh yeah, that that going. So it's like your heartbeat is going to what's happening in a tension-filled scene. Yeah, it almost is. It's a frantic pace without being frantic. Yes, yes. So it kind of builds your suspense without sometimes even it being a suspenseful scene, and that is key. Plus, so you got this, you got this rhythm, like your heartbeat, and then they'll put a, a, a melody over it. That's the Midnight Express theme. And it adds a beauty to the heartbeat. And the combination of both, in, in my opinion, is why the soundtrack if, of that type of synthesizer music works so, works so well in a movie. They also, the other thing is, some of the notes, they faded the stuff in and out really well with the, uh, there weren't any real sharp, well, I mean, there were sharp points where uh, the notes began, but they did a lot of fading in and out. When I listened to it, I thought, uh, you know, if Vangelis had played on the Pink Floyd album, Wish You Were Here, it might sound <laughs> something like this. Then, yeah, Vangelis <laughs> also very good at soundtracks. Very good at sound. His his soundtracks are more, um, Vangelis soundtracks are more, um romantic based yeah yeah and it's funny because i should have said that this section of soundtracks deals with um instrumental soundtracks because we have we have our soundtrack episodes divided that was the musical one yeah yeah last week we had the shitty popular soundtrack (laughs) this week is the all instrumental one now usually before the 70s all the instrumental soundtracks would be orchestras, right? Yeah, incidental music. So I picked music, this because yeah. this was very rock and roll type of, a new era was coming in with soundtracks where it wasn't a, where there wasn't an orchestra anymore. The orchestra was the keyboard band, which I thought was a fascinating idea. I could have done it with Midnight Express, but which I was thinking of, but the one that, always think of the one that first pops into your head, and that was Tangerine Dream, and I would have liked to have done Thief, but that was in the 80s. <laughs> there was another movie I seem to recall, Michael Mann and Tangerine Dream, um, The Keep. The Keep, yes. Okay, Excellent. that was Tangerine Dream. Excellent, yes. Yeah. Okay, that and Thief are the two movies I'd heard of them from. And the biggest thing that uh, William Friedkin said, you know what? When I heard Tangerine Dream, I said, I got to get this band for my, for my movie Sorcerer. And then he said, one of the biggest compliments that you can give to a band, <laughs> I think, if I had heard of them before, I would have had them do the Exorcist soundtrack. Yeah, and who do you get for the Exorcist? That hack of Michael Mike Oldfield. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, he, they just took his song. It wasn't really his soundtrack work, but I know what you mean. Actually, that did work though. Really good with the Exorcist. It did. It was <laughs> spooky and, and dark enough. And though. I can't listen to that now without thinking of the Exorcist. <laughs> so it was a good choice of music, but I I can if you can imagine. The Exorcist with that with creepy tangerine. tangerine oh, these guys want to have that. Man. <laughs> have fun with it. As an album, I remember I played this album because I have this album on CD and I used to play it in my car. It's not a car album. <laughs> <laughs> it is really. There's music for the car and there's music that's not. This is meant to be listened to in your room or whatever. 
Or in your nice stereo, people still have stereo sides. Or maybe if you're trying to scare some in-laws. Yes! <laughs> this is not a car album because I just it just died a death in the car like you wouldn't believe. But, uh, but even as an album, it's good, but it works much better in the context of visuals. Of the movie, yeah. Whereas the Thief soundtrack works as music. It, you could see how Tangerine had already progressed by their second soundtrack with Thief to the point where the music stands up better on its own and it doesn't need so much the uh the the visual to help it out i like this album but there are points in it when it's just like uh, i don't get it it's it's just it's yeah. some of it is noise some of it is noise that that you can imagine on the screen but it's just noise when you hear it on a, on a, an album i wrote down music is always there but you drift in and out of listening. You do. <laughs> actually, that's a good point. I did actually drift in and out of really paying attention and then kind of thinking, oh, i got to write some stuff for the show. <laughs> and then something will draw your ear back again. Oh, wait a second. Yeah. And I and I do this because I've heard this album because it's one of my favorite movies. So I made sure that I got the soundtrack years ago. Every time I listen to the soundtrack, it's the same thing. Some things I just, and then some things, like the last song, I love, I love the last end title, which is the the end credits. The last song on the album is, is when the end credits are playing and there's a great ending to the movie, uh, which I'm not going to tell you about, obviously. <laughs> but that music is played at the end. And it's like, oh, my God. And then I, it works. It's one of the pieces that works yep. so well on its own. You, you can make your own visuals. You've got it. a thing to attach. Well, that's what I wrote down. It's a sort of a, a movie that... Uh, Music that gives a movie cohesiveness. While I was playing, I tried to imagine a movie of my own making, and it was very easy. See, that's what—that's a good <laughs> point, Rob. You should. I was listening to it. I was like, okay, uh, the movie Sorcerer, I can see him now. He looks like uh, uh, John looks like... Cleese from uh, the, the Holy Grail, but he's not funny. See, even you thought and it was medieval. The movie Sorcerer is about a What's sorcerer. happening at this point? That's so funny. <laughs> when I heard that, when I heard William Friedkin say that on like the commentary track on Sorcerer, I said, that's what I thought when I read it. I said, it's about a sorcerer who probably What's has he... to depossess some girl. <laughs> What's he going doing calling his movie Sorcerer? That's, that's a false promise. Yeah, that's that's a, a advertising. So, the... And yeah, a lot of people were angry because they actually did think they were seeing a different type of movie. And... They, he paid for it in box office receipts, as they say. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's too bad. It's a great movie. But you know what? I want to get back to your point because it's a very, very good point. Even if you've seen the, the movie that you're listening to the soundtrack to, if you can still visualize different scenes in your head that are different from the movie because the music is so good, you've succeeded. And even I could do that with this because not all the music that's on an album is used in the movie. Like uh, very few times is all the music that's on an album used in the movie. And I, I could picture a lot of the good music on this. I could, I could make my own, my own visual yeah, picture. Yeah, just to, you know, it's all someone has to give you is uh, the word sorcerer. That's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can make, you can do whatever you want. If it's a good piece of music, you can visualize anything you want. There's nothing that says in the rock and roll handbook that you have to visualize what the movie is supposed <laughs> to be showing. And that's why uh, it's a good first attempt. It's not what they would do later because they, they learn from it as far as maybe making their music uh, more acceptable as a soundtrack also, plus being effective on the screen. Had they done many soundtracks? For yes, you know, I had a list and I, I didn't bring it up. When um, did they start doing soundtracks? Do you remember the year? Well, this is the one. This is the first. This uh, is the first one, and Thief was the okay, second one. Okay. And yeah. I have a really, a really good list of movies, and you think, oh, they did that? Really? That <laughs> does, they didn't really do. After Thief, it wasn't so much keyboards because that was kind of out as far as having that all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wish the I had. Music and the movies. I wish changed. you know I was going to print out the all the. Oh, I don't have it right here. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rob. You was gonna. They did the did. music. They did the soundtrack for Risky Business of all movies okay. with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, The Keep, as you said. Uh, Firestarter, Stephen King movie. They did. I haven't uh, seen that. Some uh, Drew Barrymore's. Uh... Yeah, exactly. Uh, Legend with Tom Cruise. Um, among others, like. Uh, 
Very, you know, and can, even though Edgar Froese died in 2015, 2016, um, Dream still exists. He actually, as, as he was getting ill and passing away, he actually found somebody years before to, because he was getting sick years before and decided, you know what, I want the band to continue. And this is the guy that I would like to replace me. And then he joined the band while Edgar was still alive. And then unfortunately he passed away, even though he was the very much the heart and soul of the band. Tangerine Dream still exists. They've released an album since he died. They've released between 65 and 70 albums. It depends on which <laughs> albums you want to count. But that's amazing. Like almost yeah. 70 albums. That's 70 albums since 1970. Anytime you get through a career and you're doing more than one a year, that's impressive. It is. And, and if anybody thinks it's easy because it's instrumental or it's just keyboards, well, you do it. <laughs> yeah. It's only easy if you and the guys you're making music with are all really good at what you do. Mm -hmm. Then very, you can very get good through point. it quickly. And if you think it's easy to make, a, to make a soundtrack for a movie, and I'm talking about the soundtrack as far as I'm talking about the, then the, you the, music on, the music that you hear while you're watching the movie. Uh, if you think it's easy to just, oh, I'm just going to put, you know, <laughs> you listen, ba, ba. listen, listen, watch the movie Sorcerer and Thief and see if you can be as brilliant as these guys do, because they have to watch it. Nobody tells them what to do. The director might say, I want music here and I want music here, but that's all you get. And you have to come up with something good. And these guys, you need music. they come up with something that's even better than good with their when they're assigned for moves. It's not yeah. easy. And it's not run of the mill. I'd do run of the mill. <laughs> yeah. You need music for someone sneaking? Dun 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 dun, dun. <laughs> See, that's what I would do. <laughs> Somebody just open a door real quick. Ta -da. <laughs> so um I think that's it. <clears throat> I really enjoyed this. I'd give this as a standalone album, I give it three stars. I enjoyed it. I've listened to this album before, so it's not it's not a it's not a new album to me to listen to, but uh I'd give it I give it three stars. They had they had a lot to learn as far as soundtrack yeah, was concerned I mean, yet, but still a, a very good listen. I gave it three and a half stars. Spooky and dark, and uh, it's another uh, it's a second album that we reviewed that uh, is also fun. If you pick up your guitar, you can play along with it. Yeah, you can. <laughs> they can. This is the type of music that you can actually jam with. If you know you're short mean? of a band, we're starting to compile a list of albums <laughs> that can uh, replace that completely and provide you with the. Uh, enjoyment you you seek <laughs> that's very good that that's that's true Adol. i never thought about that before you can actually play along with this music yeah um okay and next week we will have part three of our soundtracks next week is going to be super cool without giving away the album title it's going to be super cool even i don't know what it is <laughs> that's how cool it is i was given a list of four albums and uh this uh, week's album was in the wrong place on the list, so I don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, because I changed it. I changed it on him because I don't want him to get too uh, relaxed. So we will... Uh, I'll just listen to all these albums on the same day and get all my work out of the way at once. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that because even if you're joking about that, it's not funny. Oh, one month, I'm going to slough it. we got to yeah. go. I phone in show, we just phone it in. One listen, uh, I give it one star, it's a stinker. Done. We doing a phone in show where we just phone it in? Just kind of like, <laughs> oh, whatever. Hey, listen, I'm not in the country. Not actually phoning in with the phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where we just kind of like, whatever, didn't listen to it, don't give a shit. That, that kind of, not very unprepared. I am too prepared most times. <laughs> Anyways. Someday we may want to, just as an experiment. Gotta go. And uh, <laughs> we will uh, check in with you next week with another soundtrack. I just write her off.